And welcome into 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate you joining us. We are one week away from week one in the NFL season. It's the final preseason week. A lot to get to on today's podcast. Joining me, as always, is John Paulson of 444.com. If you don't have a subscription yet, make sure that you grab one right now because you got uh, the, the final drafts are, are being done this week, I would imagine, John. Or maybe next week. Maybe early next week people are still doing some. Yeah, some uh, procrastinators hold their drafts in the middle of next week, or sometimes they even draft after the Thursday game, which is mind-boggling to me. But, hey, to each their own. To each their own. Why don't you tell us about the music, then we'll, we'll dive into some housekeeping items. Yeah, this is a deep cutoff of uh, The Clash's uh, 1982 album, Combat Rock. The name of the track is Straight to Hell. It's fairly well-known, but I wouldn't say it was a big hit. So I'll put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist. All right, we're going to cover the latest news and then discuss several late risers and how fantasy owners should deal with them if they're drafting in the next week. But first, a couple housekeeping items. Like I mentioned, be sure to use the code TMAP to get 10% off a 4 for 4 subscription. Also, be sure to check out 4 for 4s other podcasts. you got DFS MVP with TJ Hernandez and Holden Kushner and Holden's solo podcast, which is called Fantasy First. Which is, which is a short daily pod that keeps listeners up to date on the latest fantasy news. That should be a good one. Uh, again, TMAP. So think of the most accurate podcast to get 10% off any 4 for 4 subscription. John, let's dive into it. Uh, unfortunately, bad news for the Jaguars. They placed Marquise Lee on injured reserve. He suffered what looked like a serious injury in the third preseason game against the Falcons. Safety uh, went in low and took out Lee and Tess confirmed that he's dealing with ligament damage. Do you target Keelan Cole first? There's also D.D. Westbrook in there. Dante Moncrief signed with the Jaguars. What, what do you think about Jacksonville starters? And, and again, is Cole kind of the first one off the board? Uh, yes, he is. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, them and the late risers because obviously with Lee getting hurt, all these guys are shooting at the draft uh, rankings. Not too high, but... They're all, they're all seeing their uh, ADP rise significantly. So the main thing I want to talk about with Lee was that he was going to be the wide receiver one, uh, but it wasn't like he was necessarily going to see 9 to 10 or 11 targets per game. It was more like a 6, 7, 8 target type of a guy. Uh, and this is a very deep and evenly talented receiving core. So I think they can make up the difference not fairly easily, but they've got DJ Chark, you know, as the fourth receiver, he's a big, fast rookie uh, that they're going to try to get worked in. Um, I mainly wanted to mention uh, Lee here at the top because of Blake Bortles. I think it's a slight downgrade to him, but Bortles is going so late in drafts. He's like the 23rd, 24th quarterback off the board. He has three straight top 13 finishes. Uh, so he's just getting no respect whatsoever. It's one of these guys where, you know, his real-world rep is hurting his fantasy rep, but he is a pretty good fantasy quarterback because he's uh, able to uh, run the ball a little bit in those games where the passing isn't going that great, and this defense is putting him in position to succeed. He's also done a good job of reducing the number of interceptions. So even with Lee sidelined, I still like Bortles as a value pick in the, in the later rounds. Well, let's talk about Doug Baldwin now since we're discussing wide receivers. The Athletics' Michael Sean Duggar reports that Baldwin, his knee, coming off the knee injury, is clearly close to returning fully all signs continue to point that Baldwin's going to be ready for week one interesting note though here 
Baldwin said yesterday, John, that his injured knee will never be 100% this season. I'm a huge Doug Baldwin fan. I actually passed up on him and took Tyreek Hill uh, in my in one of my latest drafts, even though I just think that Doug, Doug Baldwin was – he's just been so underrated, I feel like, over the last couple of years. Do you still feel confident in taking him at his current ADP, even, even with the knee injury? Yeah, I mean, I wonder what – uh, sort of injury he has that it will never be 100% this season. You know, does it need surgery? And they're not gonna, they're not gonna do it because uh, so close to the season and you miss games. Um, so it's a little bit of a concern. Uh, the fact that he's playing and is going to be out there uh, makes it, you know, still a, a decent pick in the third round. I mean, I, I would probably put him behind um, Diggs and Adam Thielen, although Thielen has a lower leg injury as well. Um, obviously, I'm taking. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald over him because Larry Fitzgerald is Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, but Baldwin, um, uh, it's a little bit concerning, I would say. If you can get him in the fourth round, I think that's a nice value. I think the end of the third round now seems a little bit pricey for him. Sony Michelle also dealing with a knee injury. He remains limited in Patriots pack practice. He finally returned to practice on Monday, but is yet to be given the all-clear. Um, it, it would appear that Michelle... Still has a legit chance of suiting up for Week One, but with the Patriots, you never seem to know. Rex Burkhead's also in the mix there. How do you how do you handicap the New England backfield right now? Well, I think with Michael going in the first round, the initial reaction was, "Wow, the Patriots must really want a running back, want him." Uh, but you know, he's missed quite a bit of time here, three or four weeks with this knee injury, so I think he's behind. Uh, I think they're always playing to have Rex Burkhead kind of start and lead back role with James White coming in and then kind of ease Michael into the, the fold. He's also a, a guy who's got has had ball, uh, ball security issues, so that's a concern as well for him. So I, I'm a fan of, of Burkhead there in the fifth, sixth round, and I think James White in PPR formats is a nice value pick in the eighth, ninth round because he's going to be involved as well. I, I think we're going to get into September, and, and Michael's not going to be as involved as maybe we thought he was going to be at the start of the year. Saquon Barkley participated in seven-on-seven drills during Monday's practice. He had been dealing with a hamstring injury. I took him six overall. I feel great about that selection. Still a first-round pick, obviously, right, John? I mean, no no real concerns here? Yeah, we're mentioning this because he's back at practice and everything looks like he's going to be on track for week one. All right, a lot of people. I saw that you took Josh Gordon with your yeah. first selection in our draft. Now, that would that was, what, round six we started with? Um, yeah, round five, actually. Yeah. Round five. So, Obviously, you feel good about him. Hugh Jackson said that ham, that that Gordon, who's dealing with a hamstring injury himself, will play, but he won't start in Week One. I, I, I mean, at some point he's going to be fully ready to go. And with Tyrod Taylor, I, th- I think that you know you made a nice selection here, and and it looks like he's going to be worth that his his current value in ADP, even though he's not starting Week One. Well, I looked at my. I wouldn't say I feel good about that pick or feel good about Josh Gordon. I just I, I made that pick. Uh, for as an upside pick, I felt like I could uh, afford it with uh, keepers that I had. Um, I had Tate as my uh, sole receiver that I kept, and I knew I was going to be hitting the receiver position really hard over the next several picks. So I decided to take the guy with the most upside, and that's Josh Gordon. Looks like he's uh, going to play, but won't start necessarily in the first week. I wouldn't read too much into that. I'm sure he's going to play quite a bit, uh, just not being out there for the first snap. All right, Dolphins coach Adam Gase said that Devontae Parker dealing with a finger injury still has not been cleared to catch with less than two weeks now before the season opener. Uh, Parker's beginning to look like he's going to be questionable. I, I don't feel really good about 
Parker. I've I've passed him up. I took Kenny Stills though, and I think Kenny Stills probably the wide receiver to own in Miami right now. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with. I mean, Stills is my highest ranked uh, wide receiver in Miami. Uh, Parker had an opportunity here with uh, Jarvis Landry and his 161 targets gone uh, to to establish himself as a viable NFL wide receiver. And he struggled in preseason, and now his fingers hurt, and he may not play week one. They signed uh, uh, Danny Amendola, and uh, who's the other guy from KC? I'm blanking on his name. Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson. There you go. Okay, sorry. Uh, they are looking for a role for him, so it's pretty. I mean, they gave him quite a bit of money, so they could easily just plug Wilson in for for Parker, and they, they're going to run with uh, Stills, Wilson, and. Damon and Danny Amendola is their top three receivers in week one. Uh, Parker has just dropped down my ranking significantly. I don't own him in uh, any league. I haven't drafted him in a long time, so uh, it's 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 pretty bad how his uh, preseason has gone. He's really got to turn it around here uh, in September if he wants to, to get his career on track. Eagles coach Doug Peterson expects that um, he's going to make a decision for week one by Friday. Now, the Eagles play the Falcons on Thursday night in the season opener. So he's he's going to have to make a decision quickly. For what it's worth, I talked to John Clayton today on our radio show, and I asked him about Carson Wentz's availability, and he was pretty confident that Nick Foles was going to start next Thursday. For what it, Again, for what it's worth. Yeah, uh, this was a Peter King uh, uh, speculation, uh, and if this is the case, then anybody who's got Wentz as their only quarterback on their roster need to make plans uh, prior to week one to, to get another player in there. Uh, if you're going to draft between now and week one and you're going to take Wentz, I think you could pretty cheaply add Foles at the end of the draft or, or some other quarterback to start, start for your week one. All right, Bears coach Matt Nagy said that Jordan Howard will stay on the field for third downs. That is huge, or at least the thinking is huge, because one, th- one knock on Jordan Howard is he doesn't catch a lot of passes. A lot of people feel fine with taking him in standard leagues, but when it comes to PPR formats, um, some some people decide to stay away from him. I, th- I think that the that, that Bears running game is underrated, and I think it's only going to get better now that Matt Nagy's the play caller. What's his ceiling now if he winds up catching more passes? Is he Does he look like a legit RB1? Well, I don't know he's going to be out there for all third downs. Uh, you look at the last preseason game, I believe they split. He and uh, Tariq Cohen, they split uh, the third six third down snaps they each had three so they are going to have Cohen out there some of the time but certainly if they're not dragging Howard off the field every third down that it's it's a boost for his stock because any catches that he can make is a is a big boost for his uh, PPR uh, profile uh you know he's from a PPR standpoint it's hard to draft him even in the third round because he only you know catches 20 passes um but as you mentioned I think there's some tight end uh, or I'm sorry some touchdown uh, upside with him in this offense, the offense should be significantly better. You know, he's going to get all of the goal goal line work. Uh, so you know he's been creeping up my draft board as well uh, with this news that he's going to be playing on third downs. I don't think it's the smartest thing to do. I think you have a great uh, pass catching back in Treat Cohen, and you have a very so-so uh, guy with hands of stone and Howard. But maybe <laughs> in the effort of not being too predictable about what they're doing, uh, they're going to have Jordan Howard out there on some third downs. All right, one more note here, and we're going to go back to Miami for a second. Gase also said that he that he that he's hopeful that Kenyon Drake will handle 15 to 20 carries and see about six to eight targets per game. If that winds up being the case, we're looking at Kenyon Drake being a workout workhorse back. 
I remember talking to you last week, though, John. We are talking about Frank Gore potentially cutting into those carries. How do you feel about Drake now that we're one week out of the season? Well, I woke up to this news, and I had quite a few shares of Drake because I was quite high on him this summer. I thought that he was primed for a big workload after uh, faring very well uh, last year. And then they added uh, Frank Gore um, in free agency. And it was, you know, you're like, okay, he's going to come in and be the the mentor and be the backup. But then they started talking, some of the beat writers started talking about how they were going to split carries and sometimes Gore would start, sometimes Drake would start. So seeing Gase like single out Drake and saying, you know, he's a good player. We want to feed him the ball. We want him to touch the ball, whatever, 15 to 20 carries, 68 targets. So, you know, he was talking about playing at a 70 to 75 snap pace. And I think, that's kind of outlandish because the the Patriots I led the league last year, uh, 72 plays per game. So it's doubtful that the Dolphins are going to be able to surpass that or even match it. So I was just looking at it like, okay, they were 62 last year. I think that the Dolphins were, and let's say they get up to 64, 65 plays because they're trying to play faster. And then you, and then you like extrapolate the usage that Gase was talking about. Uh, onto that number of plays, and now you're starting to look at maybe 17, 18 uh, touches per game for Drake. Now, if that happens, he's going to be a nice value in the end of that third round. That's where he's going now. He's been slipping a little bit because of the score talk, but um, he's a very talented player, and if he's getting that sort of workload, he's going to be worth that type of pick. All right, before we dive into the late risers, do you want to discuss how you identified the players that we're talking about? Because I always feel like there's um, there's a lot left to interpret interpretate when it comes to What's a sleeper? What's a late riser? So just kind of break down your method. Yeah, I wanted to look at the guys that were really peaking at this point because sometimes in you know in the last drafts of the, of the summer, it's hard to gauge where players are going because things are happening so fast. And you know you think, okay, I'm looking at the ADP for Keelan Cole and he's going in the 13th round, so I can wait until that round to pick him. But little do you know that over the last couple of days, he's been going in the 10th round. So you need to plan to take him a little bit earlier if you want him. So what I did... I looked at MFL 10 ADP uh, for the last two days and compared it to the previous week of, of data and basically came up with a, a percentage for how much their ADP has risen uh, over you know over the last week or so and uh, also had some data as far as what round they're going in. So um, that's basically how I did it. All right, so let's, I'll throw a name out there for you. I'll talk a little bit about the ADP and then you kind of expand on those thoughts. Adrian Peterson, his ADP is up 39%. He's going in the 10th round right now. Yeah, it looks like he's locking down that first, second down role for the for the Redskins. At least that's how they treated him in that in that preseason game, and he looked pretty good uh, carrying the ball. I think it was eleven times for fifty something yards. Uh, he's a player that is has more value in standard than he does in PPR because he offers very little in the passing game, as we know. Even though he talks about how great of a receiver he is every summer um, and how much he's looking forward to catching passes for his new team, but uh, you know Chris Thompson's going to take that role for the Redskins. He's vastly superior to Peterson in the passing game. He's also pretty good in the running game. Uh, so I think you're going to see with Thompson in the same roles he had last year when he was a borderline RB1 uh, with all the touchdowns that he was scoring uh, for the first 10 weeks of last season before his injury. Uh, Peterson is, has more value in standard, as I mentioned. And he's he's a player that will also get game flowed out if the, if the Redskins are struggling in a game with trailing. Uh, all of a sudden, Peter's, Peterson's going to be on the sideline. You're going to see Chris Thompson in there playing 60 70% of the snaps, and that's going to limit Peterson's uh, upside in those games. So you might want to start him if you are going to pick him in the 10th round, 9th round. 
uh, you might want to start him in games where the Redskins are favored as opposed to ones where they're, where they're uh, expected to be the underdog. By the way, I had a laugh. Uh, we had our radio station fantasy football draft the other night. And remember last week I said that I don't want any Washington running back. You know, I'm just going to stay away from the backfield. And yeah. You said you hoped that I would pass on Chris Thompson. Well, late in the late in the draft, there he is. He's sitting there. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take him. So I did. I did wind up taking Chris Thompson as like my fourth running back in in that latest draft, fourth or fifth running back. So um, you 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 kind of convinced me in one way or another. You you convinced me of it. So well, hopefully you can uh, thank me later on that one. He's he's, yeah. an, he's an interesting player because he he was an RB one when he was playing. But then he missed six games. So if you look at like total points for the end of the year, like a lot of people do when they just go in a draft, like, oh, what did this guy finish last year? And he doesn't show up that well. But if you look at if you dig down deeper, you see that he's actually a really productive running back. He's especially good in PPR formats. He's explosive too. Yeah. I mean he is. He's great. He's great in the passing game. I just I don't know about the situation. The situation scares me a little bit. But I, nevertheless I went with him. All right, let's talk some more late risers. You got Keenan Cole who we talked about a little bit earlier in, in relation to the Marquise Lee injury, up 24%, 10th round. Uh, you've got, I'm going to throw a couple names at you, Dante okay. Moncrief up 14%, 16th round, and then D.D. Westbrook plus 12% going near the 13th, 14th turn. So this is your three Jacksonville Jaguars receivers that we mentioned earlier. Yeah, Cole uh, and Westbrook uh, going the highest. Uh, Cole going in the 10th now. It was the 11th uh, as of early this week, but it's even higher now. And I think he's the right one to, to, to kind of tag as the, as the number one receiver there. If you look at the 10 games where he played at least 60% of the snaps last year, he averaged three and a half catches for 69 yards, 0.3 touchdowns on 6.2 targets per game. That was playing at a snap rate of 75%. I would expect him you know, to be at 85 90% this year. Uh, he was playing at an 1,100-yard pace last year with that sort of workload. So he's, you know, he's... High yards per catch. He's not the fastest guy in the world, 4.6 something, 40 yard dash, but he had a huge yards per catch. He had a huge yards per catch in college. He went to a small school, uh, Kentucky Wesleyan or something, Kentucky. Um, and, you know, he's the 46th receiver off the board in the 10th round. I think he's a good bet to, uh, to finish inside the top 40 or maybe even higher. Uh, Moncrief is the, the player that came in for Lee. Lee got uh, injured with like the fourth or fifth snap went down with an injury. Moncrief came in and played the most snaps of any of the receivers. Uh, so basically they plugged him in. He'd been running fourth behind Lee, Cole, and Westbrook. But they basically just plugged Moncrief in in uh, Lee's role. So it looks like we're going to have Cole and Moncrief starting with Westbrook in that slot role where he's playing 70, 75, 80% of the snaps. It's like a slot plus role. Uh what he's able to do there. So, you know, Westbrook and Moncrief both get a, a, an uptick. Moncrief actually, actually is probably going to play more snaps than Westbrook, but I think those two are going to be vying for wide receiver two targets behind Cole. Peyton Barber, up 16%, eighth round. Eighth round. He's drawn a lot of attention heading into these drafts because Ronald Jones has been no bueno in preseason. <laughs> He's been struggling in the passing game. Ronald Jones has. Dirk Ketter uh, confirmed that Barber is the starter. He had praised him pretty much all offseason. Uh, we, we, none of us wanted to believe it. So, you know, Ronald Jones kept going in the sixth, seventh round. But uh, now uh, now we believe him. Uh, it's just close to the week one. Uh, Jones is, is playing so far behind Barber in terms of snaps and when he's coming into the game that it's clear that Barber is a starter. I think he's a really good value there in the eighth round. You, you know, you could 
draft him as your RB3, RB4, and, and be uh, set pretty well there. I, I think he'll probably start most of the year. He was pretty pretty, uh, pretty functional and pretty productive when he was uh, the starter late last year. All right, another backfield I absolutely hate is Seattle, but Chris Carson's up 11% now, and he's going in the seventh round. Yeah, uh, Rashad Penny's weight has caught up with him. I apparently he's gained 16 pounds since the... <laughs> Since the combine, it's hard to do that when you're supposed to be working out. But he's got this finger injury as well. I, I think that when both players are healthy, they're gonna they're gonna rotate. Uh, Carson will start, but they'll rotate. That's what they did in the first drive of the first game of the preseason when they're both healthy. Uh, Penny was in on that first drive, so I think they want to get both players involved immediately and maybe ride the hot hand. But uh, so I, I feel a little bit less certain about Carson than I do Barber and. Carson's going around earlier than Barber, so it kind of tells you what I, how I feel about that whole situation. John Ross is up, and maybe you can shed some light on this, and, and if it has to do with his last preseason performance where he, he caught two passes, turned it into 66 yards and one touchdown. He absolutely smoked Vontae Davis for that 50-yard uh, touchdown, 50-plus-yard touchdown, uh, where he showed some good moves. So he's up, too. He's up 9, 9%. 15th, 16th round, that's kind of where John Ross is going. Yeah, you can get him pretty late, uh, still in drafts. He's the speedster that was drafted, uh, I think, ninth overall last year and just had kind of a lost rookie season. Never got healthy, according to him. But he's been running as a second receiver. They cut, uh, after A.J. Green, they cut uh, Brand LaFell, uh, so he's out of the way. Uh, and suddenly, you know, you look at Andy Dalton, and he's got A.J. Green, John Ross, uh Boyd in the in the slot. He's got uh, Tyler Eifert back uh, as the pass catching tight end. So he suddenly has quite a bit of weapons. And if if uh, everybody can stay healthy, I think this could be a you know a pretty good pretty good offense. And he's going so late too, just like Bortles. Uh, Dalton's going in the mid twenties at, at quarterback. But back to Ross, I think he's more of a wide receiver five, wide receiver six type of a guy. You stash in the end of the bench, and you hope he blows up this year. Yeah, Joe Mixon too in that backfield. He's yeah. right. He's got a lot of a lot of good skill position players around him. Let's talk about one of your Packers, Jamal Williams, plus eight percent, six seventh turn. Mike McCarthy recently said that Jamal Williams was poised to have a big year if the head coach is hyping you up. You would think that. Uh, it, I mean, it could be just coach speak, but it sounds like Jamal Williams is set set to be the main back for the Packers this year. You know, I don't I don't think that McCarthy is as guilty of coach speak as somebody like Pete Carroll who's constantly <laughs> talking about every everyone in glowing terms. I think McCarthy if he's if he's saying this, I, I believe that's what he believes. Uh so you know, Williams I think is the best I mean he is, he's an elite pass blocker. I was looking at PFF's grades on um on running backs today and He's the number two ranked uh, graded uh, pass blocker for, among running backs. So when you have, I don't know how many million that Aaron Rodgers signed for today, but when you have Rodgers back there in the pocket, uh, the number one job of the running back is to be able to uh, protect him in pass protection if there's a blitz. So Williams can do that. He's excellent at that. He's also good as a receiver. He had three plays, uh, receptions of uh, 25 yards or more, I believe, last year. One was a 70-yarder. Uh, so he makes plays in the passing game. He's a he's an adequate runner. I mean, we're probably going to average three and a half, four yards per carry with him. Uh, so when he carried the load last year, it was you know pretty impressive. I mean, he was a, he was a top ten fancy running back for the last eight games of last season. He averaged twenty eight point four touches for ninety three yards, point six three touchdowns per game. He was number nine in standard, eight in PPR in that span. Um, so. That was with uh, Jones out and then back, and then Ty Montgomery kind of gimpy, and you know, 
mixing in. But Williams closed the season as a starter, and it looks like he's going to open the season as a starter. I think that makes him worth a sixth, seventh round pick if you're if you're hungry for a running back at that point in the draft. You know, you, you just said that about Jamal Williams and protecting Aaron Rodgers and the millions of dollars that he's making. So just a quick anecdote for you. So I know uh, K- Kerry Davis is one of my really good friends from 101 ESPN here in St. Louis. He was the fullback for the Pittsburgh Steelers when they won the Super Bowl against the Arizona Cardinals. Really great guy, right? He was in Pittsburgh for a while. He started off in Indy, though, and he always tells the story that when he was with the Colts, when he was in those running back meetings – his running back coach pointed to the, you know, the, the the teams have like posters up on the wall of like the current and former players. And I think it was, I think it was Johnny Unitas that was up on, up on a poster and he was being sacked. And, um, and the running back coach looked at the running back room. And he said, that's Johnny Unitas. We have Pate Manning. If Pate Manning looks like that in a game, you're effing cut. <laughs> it was just just to instill the point, like if Peyton Manning's on his back, you're you're you guys are done here. So um, that that story kind of or that that uh, comment that you made kind of signifies that. So yeah, if you get a million dollar multi million dollar quarterback, you better protect him. All right, let's talk about Below Powell. He's up seven percent in drafts, tenth round. He actually started the Jets preseason game last week. He rushed ten times for twenty four yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I think Powell's a really good value in the tenth round. I mean. He- Came into the offseason, and it kind of looked like he might be the third running back in that backfield with them, with them signing Isaiah Crowell, and uh, Elijah McGuire was going to be the third down back, but McGuire's got an injury, and he might be back week one, but he might not, and even if he is back, I think he's well behind Powell right now, and Powell is playing like three quarters of the starter snaps, and with, with Crowell just coming in here and there, so... It looks like Powell is going to be the three-down back right now. Uh, he's certainly better in the passing game than Crowell, and he's a decent runner. I mean, he's last three seasons all uh, 4.4 yards per carry or more. So, you know, if you're a zero RB guy and, you you know, suddenly in late August there's some zero RB uh, targets uh, available now, Peyton Barber, Chris Carson, uh, Jamal Williams, Bilal Powell, all available sixth round or later, and it, it's suddenly becoming a, a better option for, for fantasy owners out there. Rashard Matthews was removed from the active pup list. He is up seven percent now and going in the twelfth round. I hope anything anything that you say about Rashard Matthews is um, is nothing to do with Corey Davis because I'm all in on Corey Davis this year. <laughs> uh, Matthews had like some kind of weird injury. It's kind of undisclosed. We weren't really sure what it was about, and then he signed an extension, which I think he negotiated himself. <laughs> and uh, now he's back in the fold. So I don't know how injured he really was. Uh, we're, I think we're going to see Davis and Matthews start. Obviously, Delaney Walker uh, at tight end. Taewon uh, Taylor is um, exciting and new and everything, but he's running like he was running fourth with Matthews out. So there was there's another there's Tajay Sharp and somebody else ahead of him already. So. I don't think Matthews' uh, role is really in danger, other than with Davis, you know, being the the breakout candidate that he is. And if he's healthy for the entire season, I don't think Matthews is going to you know hit his target rate from last year. But he could still be productive and be a spot starter for for fantasy owners, uh, getting six to seven targets per game. And then finally, Christian McCaffrey up six percent. He's going in that first second turn. So if you have like a twelfth, you know, the twelfth overall pick, he's kind of going in that range. I was surprised he rushed twelve times in the in the Panthers' third preseason game. Twelve, 12 times. I mean, that's for a little guy that takes a, a a big pounding. 
that that's a lot for a running back. But nevertheless, John, he's up as well. Yeah, I did uh, Adam Levitan's uh, podcast this morning, and he was talking about how the Panthers. You know, why why would you uh, run your starters this heavy, and why would you run McCaffrey especially this much? I mean, they're not even pretending that he's not the bell cow there. Right? You know, <laughs> they signed C.J. Anderson, and I think the the popular cons- general consensus was that. Um, Anderson was just going to take over the Jonathan Stewart role. You know, he's, Anderson's probably better than Jonathan Stewart right now. You know, give him twenty or two hundred carries. Give McCaffrey like one fifty or you know one twenty five, then leave him in his role of seventy eighty catches in the passing game. But you know, they they were saying all summer that they wanted to put him in a bell cow role, and then they end up in the preseason like running him that much. Uh, so I, you know, whether or not he's able to hold up is one thing, but he certainly is going to see. The touches. I mean, I would not be surprised if he's seeing 20 touches per game. I had to move him up from the late second round into the low low end first round. I've got him inside the top 10. I think I have him at eight in PPR formats. I have him at 12 in standard and like nine and half PPR. So with that workload, I've I've got him uh, ahead of uh, Dalvin Cook now because Cook's you know coming back from that knee injury. We're not sure that he's gonna see uh, as much uh, work in September with Latavius Murray still there, uh, able to, to kind of ease him in uh, since the Vikings are, are it's expecting to play a lot of games this year. Um, so I've got McCaffrey ahead of Cook now, and you know he's, he's a very attractive pick at that one-two turn. All right, that's all, that we, uh, all the time we have for today. Remember to use the code TMAP to get 10% off any subscription at 4 for 4 Next week, um, we'll just basically dive into week one. I mean, this is this is unbelievable that we're already here, John. And uh, before you know it, we'll we'll be rolling through all of the regular season games throughout September. It's going to be fun. Don't forget to follow John on Twitter at four 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 underscore John. Follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. We'll see you next time on the Most Accurate Podcast. No man's land. Asylum here King Solomon He never lived round here Straight to hell boy Go straight to hell boy Go straight to hell boy Go straight to hell boy Yeah.